Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Watch us at Reach us Roller Auctions Twitter feed at Bruce Hurdle, at Eric Goodman. Monday, restaurant and equipment auction for baker's ovens, range ovens, ice machines, dining room furniture, and more. Auction is open at RollerAuction.com. Get notifications about upcoming auctions at RollerAuction.com backslash MHS. In the meantime, Sasquatch and Wildcard Casinos, their big promotion is coming up in Blackhawk, giving away a Mustang RTR or nearly $28,000 in cash the weekend of Friday, March 8th. Get finalist entries every half hour from 10 a.m. until midnight during their daily cash drawings. And if it doesn't get picked, your ticket, it goes into a barrel for a second chance drawing every Wednesday, and you can turn that into $7,000. Head on up to Sasquatch and Wildcard Casinos, a family-owned casino that treats you like family. Time now for The Leap. The Lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lyons, and Estes Park. Combine kicks off this morning with Sean Payton and George Payton talking to the media. Happens at 9, so roughly 56 minutes from now. Uh, do you think they will address what Russell Wilson said on Sunday to Brandon Marshall about how everything unfolded on Halloween? I think that they it won't be head on. Um, it'll be more deflective. It'll be like a game of Frogger. <laughs> you got to remember Frogger. <laughs> yeah, Frogger. That's a that's a, that's a walk down memory lane. Um, I think that I think that there will be a you know we've addressed that you know kind of thing. But but you know Sean is. Sean is a is a little bit of a he's enough of a free spirit. You'd never quite know what he might say. You know, I mean, he might he might get to the point where maybe he's had enough of it, and maybe exactly. he'll say something. You know, like it's kind of taking a beating a little bit. Yeah, a little bit on it, and 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 maybe he feels. I'm not saying it is. He feels it's unfair or whatever, or he's just pit tired and and pissed off enough that he might say something or other kind of offhand. Maybe maybe a remark like that. I don't think it will be something that we will deeply get into. Well, we're going to get into the combine in earnest starting mm-hmm. on Thursday. But there are a lot of coaches that don't go to this thing anymore. It's just not as much of a priority. It doesn't mean the teams don't go. It doesn't mean the scouts don't go. And the GMs don't go. Kyle Shanahan's not going Sean McVay's not going. Matt LaFleur's not going. Three really good coaches. Sure. Really good teams. Teams that draft well. So, is it really necessary for coaches and coaching staffs to go when you look at those three teams who've had a lot of success in the draft? Necessary is probably a bridge too far. Um, I think that, like, for instance... You take a guy like Sean Payton, who is hands-on, eyes-on, decision-maker. Well, so so is Kyle Shanahan. Well, doesn't, I mean, I... Kyle Shanahan's the decision-maker. I, I think it's silly to talk about it in term, and I'm not saying you are. It, it, it's, 
if you haven't done your work before you get to things like pro days and you and and the combine, then you're kind of missing. You have scouting departments who better have done their due diligence all season long. It's it's a it's a 12 month of the year proposition to scout, to scout other teams, to scout colleges, to watch, to collect information. George Payton was at plenty of college football games over the course of the uh, the college football season. I mean, it is a collective thing that you do. It's not just you show up for a week at the combine uh, and, and, gee, we're going to make decisions on players. What you're looking for is depth. You're looking for a better understanding. You're looking for another set of eyes on guys that are going to throw. I mean, hell, not everybody's throwing at this thing for the quarterbacks. Well, the guys instance, who know what their slots are going to right, be. Right, exactly. So, I mean, it, it is a, it can, it can be for some teams that choose it to be a useful tool for other teams and other leaders and other coaches. It, they don't see it the same way. Everybody has different ways of doing things. I've got no problem with that. To me, the big thing is what are the medicals going to say? Sure. You don't need to be there for that. Michael Penix is probably going to have the most set of eyes on his medicals, right? And then you have the interviews. Yeah. But, but let's face it, the interviews are, what, 15 minutes? Yeah, they're, I mean. Hi, how you doing? Yeah. I Glad mean, we'll have a cup of coffee, chat briefly. You get a little vibe for the guy, right? I mean, maybe, hopefully. But. Here, look. let's go back in history, and I'll let you set him up. Is the combine important or is there a danger that you draft the next Mike Mamula? <laughs> I think that's that's interesting. And explain who Mike Mamula was, unless you want me to. Well, you go ahead. I mean, I, Mike Mamula was a outside linebacker, linebacker at Boston College. Right. And he was the darling of of um of the combine. Right. His athleticism just popped out at you like wow look at this guy well it's like ross the the receiver from uh from washington that ran about a 419 or whatever it is i mean it, there are things that can happen that can blow you away but in football terms what does it really mean it's john ross right yes yeah and and john ross has done absolutely did absolutely nothing in his career there are guys like that. And that's where the danger is. Mike Mamula was a combine freak. Mm-hmm. I don't even think he was expected to be a first-round pick. I believe he went, what, seventh overall in the first round of the Eagles? God, was it that high? Yeah. Yeah. Played okay. five years. I was it. Wow. Played five years. Now, he put up some decent numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, he had eight sacks in one season, eight and a half sacks in another season flamed out. I don't know if it was because of injury or not, but he was a guy who was so impressive. Oh my God, we got to take this guy. I mean, I look at the combine in some ways, the way I look at the pro bowl, Hmm. it's not real football in the pro bowl and it's not real football at the combine. I'm stating something that is so obvious that why people haven't said, Ooh, that makes a lot of sense. I still don't know why. Why are you having guys run whatever it is, the 40-yard dash, without pads? 
Sure. Because if I am not mistaken, I've watched enough football to know guys play with pads and helmets. So why are you testing how fast a guy can run when you're not even getting close to an apples and apples? No, you're right. Why are you having quarterbacks throw to wide receivers when those wide receivers are not covered? That's not football. That's flag football. And as a matter of fact, that is insulting flag football because at least in flag football, the wide receiver is covered. No one's been able to give me a good answer to that. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like the height of a basketball player is 6'3", but in shoes, they're 6'4". Well, they play basketball in shoes, right? for instance. I mean, I've never understood that one. I mean, the, the, the standing broad jump. How often is a guy just standing in the middle of the field, feet not moving, and he gets to just jump? It's not realistic. No, you're right. If you can't see that on tape, I'm sorry. How athletic a guy is. No. Three-cone drill? Yeah, I suppose you see how fast a guy can cut. That makes sort of sense to me. Then where you have the bench press? Yeah. You look at a guy like Lloyd Cushenberry. He's a big guy. He's bigger than me. He could bench more than me, but he's not considered to be overly strong, and that's why he times struggles with bigger nose tackles. You can make the case because he doesn't bench a lot. Maybe that's why that's a problem. Or maybe he does bench a lot for all I know. Well, here's, to me, the biggest swing and miss of all time, and it was the Packers. Mandridge? On Tony Mandridge. Offensive tackle out of Michigan State. Yeah, but are you talking about because of the combine? Well, I mean, I'm Was just he a freak at the combine. Oh yeah, 304 pounds, ran a 4.6, 30 inch vertical, 10.3 broad jump, 39 reps of 225. Right. Those are all. Those are all combine stats. When do you really need your offensive tackle to run a 4.6? Never. Because usually, if you're downfield too quickly, that's a penalty anyway. Well, all you care about is, well, is he winning at the first level, and then can he get to the second level? Right. That's it. Without a penalty, by the way, Which is about four or five yards, maybe tops. Yeah. At at a time. That's it. So, anyway, yeah, you don't, it's, it's not, it's not. You don't win football games at the combine, but you win football games by the evaluations that you make. And the combine can be part, part of the process of evaluation. But I'm like you, the equatables for something like at the combine just aren't relevant for me, generally speaking. Um, We've seen all kinds of impressive arms. We've seen all kinds of guys that can make throws. But we know damn good and well that when it comes to a quarterback, how do you process things? How do you process things at the line of scrimmage? Show me a show me drills that can do that. Right. Then we'll talk. Oh, wait a minute. You have the Wonderlick test, though. Well, there you go. Brian, Fitzpat- Brian Fitzpatrick, I think, scored one of the highest. And he did play a long time. And played well for a long time. Right. I understand that. I mean, so, but I mean, but it's not A to A. Just doesn't work that way. Coming up after the break, Michael Malone believes, hey, 
we don't need the home court advantage. We would like it, but we don't need it. We just want to be healthy. Would he be saying this about his team had they not won the title last year? That's next. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Watch us, mileisports.com. Reach us, Roller Auctions Twitter feed, at Bruce Hurdle, at Eric Goodman. Monday, there's a restaurant equipment auction. For baker's ovens, range ovens, countertop and floor mixers, ice machines, dining room furniture. Auction is open right now at rollerauction.com. Get notifications about upcoming auctions at rollerauctions.com backslash MHS. Time now for the buzz. The buzz is presented by Castle Rock Men's Health and Castle Rock and Aurora. See why Eric only trusts his health with Dr. Lee at Castle Rock Men's Health. After the All-Star break, Michael Malone was asked about the importance of getting the number one seed like they had last year. They were a dominant team at home. They are better this season, certainly on the road, than they were last year. His whole thing was, we just need to be healthy. And if we're healthy, we can beat anybody. Do you think if Malone didn't have a ring, he'd be saying the same exact thing? No, I think it's all about the ring, the experience. Um what he's learned about his team, how they did it a year ago. Uh, Yes, they had home court advantage, but they were unreal in the playoffs on the road. Uh, And, and, and you're what 58 games or whatever it is into this season, you know enough about your basketball team to be able to make statements like that. And I think that the nuggets have earned that type of confidence and trust from their coach. I do. So, but no, you don't win the you don't win the championship and everything that comes with it, and um, the cachet that comes with it. You're probably not making that statement. Yeah, I mean, come on. These guys know what it takes to win a right. title. They have been through these battles, playoff round by playoff round. They survived in advance and grabbed the ultimate prize. They know how to win a title. So now at this point, you can make the case that they should be more than prepared to win it on the road if they need to, if it goes to a game seven in somebody else's barn. I would agree. I mean, you've just got guys that have done it, that know what is expected of them. The greatest thing about the Nuggets is that you've got a clearly defined team which understands its roles. Well said. That's the best thing about the Nuggets. And the fact that they've got Jokic in the middle and Jamal Murray, that, at, that so you've got the best player, then you arguably have the best tandem of players who, by the way, have done it, have rings to prove it, and you've got a bunch of other guys who understand exactly what is expected of them. Makes a huge difference for a coach and coaching staff. You don't have one-off guys, you know, trying to go get theirs. You don't have 
Carl Anthony Towns trying to go get 70. And I mean, I'm not and I'm not trying to cast shade on on Carl Anthony Towns. Guy's a baller. And I think Minnesota in many ways is the biggest challenge for the Nuggets in the West. I really do. But I would rather be the Nuggets. When you were in college or even in high school and you had to write a term paper, right? called seven eight page term paper yeah the easiest thing to do on writing the term paper is the term paper yeah the hard part is doing all the research that's where all of the labor truly is the nuggets have done all the research on how to put together the term paper they have a system down they know what they need to do they know how to play the two-man game They know how to play defense when they need to play defense. They have guys who certainly know their roles. They know when they're five minutes to go in a game in a close game. They know, generally speaking, who's going to be on the floor. They have guys in Jokic and Jamal Murray who are not not only willing, but can hit clutch shots. They have everything that they need in place to write another term paper. Yes, they do. Minnesota is still figuring out the research. No question. Oklahoma City is still figuring out the research. Even more so. Even more so. I would agree. So, And you can even make the case with Milwaukee. They are still figuring out how to write the, how to do the research. Yeah. They have Dame Lillard. Yeah. How are you fitting that piece in? Well, and, not, they got a, not, and they've got a coach that they joined midway through the season. Right. So, I mean, there's... They're moving parts. The Nuggets don't have the types of moving parts. And even Boston, you can make that case about. Sure. Agreed. I mean, Although we don't have to worry about those guys. Well, but, right you, know, but you know what I mean. But I, I mean, do, you're, you're right. Working no, in Porzingis, right. you don't have smart anymore. Mm-hmm. How's it all going to come together in a high-pressure, high-leverage situation? I'd much rather know what I have definitively. And then on top of it, to be able to like what you have definitively is an even bigger advantage. When you have Jokic and Murray in particular, Jokic in particular, but the two of them in general, (laughs) and the way that they played and continue to play, it's not like, yes, they went to another gear in the playoffs, but what we see the other night, Golden State, same exact thing a game that they were focused in, that they wanted to win, and how did those two play together? You, Those are the types of things that that have to take, that take time to happen, and then it has to be trust. It has to be organic. You can't force a relationship between two players like the one that those two have. You just can't do it. I'll they get- can be great players, but, it, but you don't just, you can't just, force it to happen. I'll give you a good example from the year before they won the title, before they had KCP and before they had Bruce Brown. They needed to use Aaron Gordon as a perimeter defender Mm -hmm. at times against somebody's top scorer. Then that leaves a hole someplace, and then it all becomes about matchups, right? Right. Well, you know, if Gordon is out on the perimeter, then what do you do? It's kind of hope and pray, and and you're, you're wondering, is this going to work out? Now that you have those pieces set on your chessboard, you know 
that, yes, Gordon can guard Steph Curry if you need him to. You don't prefer it, but you can do it if you want to. But then somebody else is going to be open. The fact that you have KCP, that's your perimeter defender. Yeah. You have Christian Brown. Off the bench, another perimeter defender. He is a perimeter defender. Then you have Peyton Watson, not as much of a perimeter defender, but an excellent defender down low. Good wing guy. Right. Yep. So, So you have pieces to match up now. Yep. And throughout this regular season, they are using those pieces and experimenting it a little bit without changing their roster dramatically and without changing their starting five. Yeah. And compared to a year ago, at the same time, they're they're one game back of where they were a year ago. That could change with the next win. It would put them on a... They are, in other words, basically on the exact same trajectory as they were a year ago, but they have a championship in their pocket. That changes everything. And here's the other big difference. They're not going to be able to coast down the stretch. No, no coasting, which could be good for them. Could be. Um, Although it'll be interesting, won't it? Because you can already tell what Michael Malone is kind of like, hey, don't sweat it. Let's let's just go out and play. I mean, I'm looking at the standings. We don't right. have to chase the. We don't have to chase the carrot. I'm looking at the standings right now, and the Nuggets are a half game behind Minnesota and Oklahoma City. That is, they are tied for first place. Right. It is going to be a punch in the throat to the rest of the Western Conference if the Nuggets slingshot to the front. Yes. And end up on the top, then it is going to feel like. How are we going to beat this team? Yes. If they don't have the home court, you feel like, okay, we got a chance. We're going to have them game seven if necessary. If the Nuggets slingshot to the top, it's probably going to feel like if the Nuggets go in healthy, here we go again. Not only can this team win on the road, but we certainly know how good they are at home. And right now, they're the best home team in the Western Conference. The only team that is better at home is Boston. That's it. So, so Michael Malone is working the psychology of this basketball team. And I, and I think you and I agree. He does it extremely well, right? This guy, he knows when to push. He knows when to back off. He knows when to, you know, up the volume, pat a guy in the backside. I, I, he's, He just has a really good bedside manner. Coming up after the break, Val Nachuchkin is back on the ice for the Avalanche. Don't know if he's going to be playing in the next game, which I believe is tonight. Yeah, I don't think so tonight. But with that, just how important is he to be back in this lineup? And can can you make the case he is the third most important player on this roster right now? Most people would easily say McKinnon McCarrantanen. I contend that Chuchkin is third. So mm. who gets bumped? That's next. Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. 
Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Reach us uh, on the uh, Roller Auctions Twitter feed at Bruce Hurdle at Eric Goodman. Monday, there's a restaurant equipment auction for baker's ovens, range ovens, ice machines, dining room furniture, and more. Auction is open right now at rollerauction.com. Get notifications about upcoming auctions at rollerauction.com backslash MHS. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending. Presented by Silterhar Mazda. Get to Silterhar in Broomfield for a no-pressure buying experience at Silterhar Mazda or find them at sthmazda.com. Val Nechuchkin back on the ice yesterday. I don't want to say it surprised everybody who was out there, but I think it kind of did. Well, we asked the question yesterday, when's Val going to be back? Turns out it was yesterday. Avs right now, worst stretch of the season. The winless in seven of their last ten. Here are some numbers that are eye-popping. Over the last two seasons, when Nechuchkin is in the lineup, 65 wins, 19 losses, 9 ties. When he's not in the lineup, 21 wins, 24 losses, 3 ties. That's eye-popping. But here's some more numbers for you. And stats don't always tell the story, but in this case, I think it does. Before he went away to the uh, player assistance program, Avs were eighth on the power play, eighth on the penalty kill, five on five, ninth in scoring goals. Now they are 19th on the power play, 25th on the penalty kill, and 20th in expected goals at five on five. Well, he missed 19 games, and he's going to miss a few more probably before he gets going. That is a precipitous drop oh in my just God. 19 uh, games. Uh, yes, think about that. That's like a bowling ball falling off a table. Eric, he's still the fourth leading scorer on this team. Right. 42 points. He is the leading power play goal scorer on this team by two over Miko Rantanen, having missed 19 games. He has the highest, the highest shot percentage of any of the frontline regulars on this team, and he's missed 19 games. The guy guy is so impactful in so many different ways, specifically on the power play and the penalty kill and the work that he does in front of the net. He is a big, strong body that can handle it, and he's got skill. So it's like... It's better than any trade they could have made to bring in anyone to get Val Nikushkin back. Nikushkin back. Nikushkin. Nikushkin. Just call him Choo Choo. Yeah. Okay. Just call him the Choo Choo train. I don't know. I should know my Russian better. McKinnon and McCarr are the two best players on this team. Sure. Rantanen is a 50 goal scorer, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Historically. Yeah. Right? With that, Nikushkin is the third most important player on this team by far, yeah. actually. And that's not a knock on Rantanen. Is Rantanen a better goal scorer? There is no question. Oh, sure. He is naturally a great goal scorer. But with all the different things that Nichuchkin does, you have to have a guy like that on your team who essentially plays the Landeskog role, digging pucks out of corners, great on the forecheck, standing in front of the net. That's, that is not Rantanen's game. And, and you are dead on, right? But even with your statement, in 19 fewer games, Val is eight goals behind Miko Rantanen. 
I'm, I mean, even as a goal scorer right now, 30 to 22. What, what I'm about to say probably isn't the fairest of apples to apples. But which running back would you rather have in their prime? And I'm going to pick two current guys okay. that are currently playing. Would you rather have Christian McCaffrey or would you rather have Derrick Henry, a former 2,000-yard rusher with a pair of seasons in which he was close to 1,600 yards? As long as he's healthy, I'd rather have Christian McCaffrey. And it's probably not even close. I See, for me, it is very close, and there's a part of me that would lean towards Derrick Henry. And here's the reason why. They do very different things. Derrick Henry will catch the ball out of the backfield, mm-hmm. certainly not at any great level. The most yards he ever caught in a season was uh, a couple of years ago when he caught 400 yards worth of passes. Christian McCaffrey is great for you quarters one through three. He's really great one through four. Mm-hmm. I'm not knocking him. But where Derrick Henry is great as a closer, as a closer. Mm-hmm. He is going to win you games in the fourth quarter when you have a lead because not only does he get stronger as the game goes on, but he is going to grind that clock, and I don't care how many. You could have 12 guys at the line of scrimmage. He's still probably going to average four yards a carry. They are two very different guys, and the point I'm trying to make is Rantanen and Chuchkin are two very different types of guys. Yeah. Which guy is more important? If I'm talking about you're playing in the fourth quarter, who do you want? If it's just a if you're just playing in the fourth quarter, you right you have a three point lead in the fourth quarter. Who do you want on the field? McCaffrey or Derrick Henry? Well, I think I'm still might take Christian McCaffrey, who averaged five point four yards per carry. I your point is good, and that is what Derrick Henry has done. Throughout his career, he is a closer. He's a bulldozer. There is no question. There, there is no question. And by the way, when you're when you're looking at those numbers, mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting that they are deceiving. What I am saying is, though, and I'm sure we can find it. Can you look this up, Alex? What does Christian McCaffrey average in the fourth quarter? Because I know I've seen mm-hmm. it too many times to count what Derrick Henry does in the fourth quarter. And remember, we're only basing it off of one season for Christian McCaffrey. Right. I mean, do, do we want to base it off uh, the, the season in which, in 2020, uh, you had Derrick Henry averaging 5.4 yards a carry? Over I just, I prefer the versatility of, and you, and and you can't, you can't just for the Chuchkin is the versatility. Yes, he and is. That, yes, without question. And that's where I am making my point. Gotcha. Which guy do you want? I can make a case for either. Both are great. Brandon is a fantastic goal scorer. Yes. But Nichuchkin does more things. Derrick Henry, I don't want to say he's a one-trick pony, but his trick, if he is, is pretty stinking good, specifically in the fourth quarter. No question. For Christian McCaffrey, great blocker, great pass receiver, and a great runner. Right? Yeah. What do you got, Alex? So his fourth quarter stats, he's averaging only four yards per carry compared to 6.7 in the first quarter, four and a half in the second quarter, and 5.7 in the third quarter. So in the fourth quarter, listen. And you know what? By the way, the uh, 49ers had a lot of leads. 
Mm-hmm. So they probably ran him probably quite a bit. For Derrick Henry. But not to win games necessarily. What's that? But but not to win games. Right. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to argue about it because it's not worth arguing. No, but, but I'm, 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 what I'm saying is if Henry is ranting, Nachuchkin to the Avs is, is what McCaffrey is. is to the, because the he just does more He does things. more. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, Christian McCaffrey is a pretty good closer inside the 10-yard line. Oh. He's inside un- the 20. In, in the red zone, he is as good a closer as there is in the NFL. Right. But, yes, I'm with you. Your 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 take on on Val Natushkin to me is spot on. By the way, I just saw this. Just for fun, take a guess. In 2020, when he ran for over 2,000 yards, mm-hmm. Derrick Henry, how many yards of carry did he have? Oh, just take a guess. 5.3. What do you got? 5.7. How about 6.6 yards of carry? Unreal. In the fourth quarter. Yeah. It's pretty remarkable. I mean, he runs it twice, first down, first down, first down, every single time. But that is Val's contribution specifically. Listen, Randon doesn't even play on the PK. Right. Right. Yeah, Val plays on them both. I mean, and, and look at the biggest drop of those numbers we talked about. The Avs were eighth on the penalty kill when he was in the lineup. And they fell all the way to 25th without him. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. And how many games? 17 games? 19, 19 games? games. What do we have coming up on Just In Case You Missed It? We'll talk a little more about Draymond Green saying on his podcast that he had absolutely no answers for Jokic on Sunday. <laughs> and also discuss these running backs not receiving the franchise tag. That's mm-hmm. up next on Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle on Mile High Sports. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Watch us, MileHighSports.com. You can reach us, Roller Auctions Twitter feed, at Bruce Hurdle, at Eric Goodman. Monday, there's a restaurant equipment auction for baker's ovens, range ovens, countertop and floor mixers, ice machines, dining room furniture, and more. Auction is open at rollerauction.com. Get notifications about upcoming auctions at rollerauction.com backslash MHS. Time now for the final word. The final word is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan with Dan McKenzie at themckenziefirm.com. Just in case you missed it, is presented by Argonaut Wine and Liquor. You need to see why Westward named it the best liquor store in Denver. Five years running or order online at argonautliquor.com. 
Alrighty, guys. Just in case you missed it, after the Nuggets beat the Warriors by 16 points on Sunday night and Nikola Jokic went for 32, 16, and 16, Draymond Green went on his podcast, and here's what he's Long some night, but he gave me total and complete hell tonight, and I had absolutely no answers, and I'm just going to laugh about it because either you laugh or you cry, and so I'm going to laugh about it. I had absolutely no answers tonight. Uh, your thoughts on one of the best defenders in the league describe how he and the Warriors couldn't do anything with Jokic. 32-16 and 16. Usually I don't associate Draymond Green with the word humble, but good for him. Yep, he knows it. Yep, and um, he is a, he was one of the best defenders in the league. Totally. For a very long time. So when you get a high-level defensive player praising Jokic like that, there are no answers for him. And that's what we're now hearing more consistently yep. from players around the league. There is literally no way to guard him because he has seen everything. And he still sees things one step ahead of everyone else. So not only does he have the knowledge, he still has the skill set <laughs> that allows him to make the most of that knowledge. It, it, and it's just remarkable to watch him. There is a, a there's a documentary, if that's what you want to call it. I'm going to use the word documentary very, very, very loosely because it is one of the worst produced so-called documentaries I've ever seen. Mm. It's on YouTube. It's not really a documentary. It's a highlight film for literally an hour, and it has some sound bites sporadically put in. But what was eye-popping to me was looking at Jokic, his body type when he came into the league, mm -hmm. and what he looks like now. Even though he drank a pair of two-liter bottles of Diet Coke a day, he was still a pretty skinny kid. Now he is a filled-out, rough-and-tumble man. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Glad we have him. Yeah, he was talking about his nimbleness and how, how good of shape he is in. Right. Um, and that's funny from three or four years ago where he was right. getting blasted. Yeah, for and then shape. you have guys like Stephen A. Smith. That guy couldn't jump over a curb. This is coming from a guy who in college averaged a point a game. I don't care how high he could jump. Larry Bird wasn't much of a jumper either. Oh, wait. That's right, Stephen. You're black and they're white. I got it. White men can't jump. Those two guys are Billy Ho. And you are the other character who just won't shut up on the court. All right, just in case you missed it, uh, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, and Tony Pollard are all expected to become free agents in what promises to be a star-studded running back market. What was that list again? Uh, so it's Jacobs, Barkley, and Pollard, but there's a lot more. Oh, Austin Eckler. Eckler, yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, very likely to explore free agency as well. Uh, as far as Josh Jacobs goes, do you think the Raiders will re-sign him? They would like to. Uh, yeah, who wouldn't like to? He's a really good football player. But we just continue to, well, the position of running back continues to be a very rapidly evolving or devolving piece to the puzzle in terms of what you're paying these guys, the value. The value for running backs is just different now than it was. I can't take credit for this thought, but it was very provocative. It was about Brock Bowers, the tight end out of Georgia, Georgia potentially right? being a top five pick. Mm -hmm. 
And the argument was, don't ever take a tight end that high. And I'm likening this to when the Giants took Saquon Barkley at number two. If you're going to take Saquon Barkley at number two, which he was, if you're going to take Brock Bowers at number five, you are way, way, way overpaying that position mm-hmm. for where they are drafted by far, but specifically at the running back position. You take a running back at two, the most amount of money he might ever make in his career is his rookie contract. Yeah. Mm. You take a defensive end at number two, number five, he's going to make a lot more. So the point about Bowers was you you might be paying him more than he'll ever be paid in his career. Now, if he turns out to be Travis Kelsey, that is different. But sometimes you need to draft in terms of the position because of what you are paying somebody on a rookie contract. Well, makes sense. Yes, made not my idea. Not my idea, but it was a great point. Yeah, Uh, Falcons took Kyle Pitts at number four, and that hasn't worked out. It has not worked out for them. Although I think he is still a work in progress. Well, let's let's see. Hold on, Kyle Pitts. Let's see what this guy is getting paid right now, especially compared. I know that we're running out of time here. Um, So he got a. So this year, he is being paid, and I don't know. Do we know what the average tight ends are being paid right now? I don't. You not don't. Sure. You don't. No, I don't know. Okay, with that, he is being paid right now. Jeez, Louise, his cap hit this season is over ten million. Mm. Over ten million. Yeah, he is being paid ten million this year. What's what's the average salary for a tight end? Ooh, it's around seven, eight, seven or eight. There yeah, we go. There you go. And that's the point Pretty exactly about Brock Bowers. Well done. No question. All right. That was Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it. They always have great specials going on right now. They have a great special on wine. And speaking of wine, wine tasting. This upcoming Saturday, March 2nd, you're going to want to go check that out for sure. The sale on wine, sake. Australian wines, New England, New Zealand wines, all 15% off. That's going to do it for us. Brett and Alex, great job. Same with you, Bruce. It is snowing outside, Bruce. Are you uh, going to be okay? Yeah, I'll be fine. Okay. Do you yell at the snow and say, get off no, my lawn? No, no. <laughs> Melt on my lawn? No. Make it the best possible day you can.